0: Good afternoon, it's a joy to be here today, very thankful to have visitors with us, uh, and, and very thankful uh, to not call Joe and Linda visitors anymore, but but to have them as, as members of the flock here, brothers and sisters, and our local spiritual family. Um, we've already been very encouraged by their zeal and commitment to the Lord, and we, we pray we can be a support and encouragement to them as they work uh, alongside us. If your Bibles aren't already open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I ask that you'll turn them there now. Throughout the scriptures, the the local church is described in a lot of different pictures. It's described as as a spiritual family, uh, as a temple that were living stones being built up into. Uh, The church overall is described as a, a kingdom. It's also described as a body. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is one of the primary passages that focuses on that illustration of the church as a body. Um, the last time I preached this sermon was four years ago, the first Sunday that Aaron and I uh, attended with the Eastside group uh, here in Pittsburgh uh, when we were back in the, in the YMCA and um, And and I wanted to to revisit some of these ideas because they're very helpful to me as I think about the church, as I think about our work together, our responsibility individually to the church. Um, And so I want to revisit some of those things here in 1 Corinthians 12 that I think might be helpful to our thinking Uh, I know has been helpful for me, uh, which is part of the reason that I I started off our time here in Pittsburgh by by focusing on this passage. But what we see in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about some destructive attitudes in the body of Christ. Um, Some attitudes that we need to be careful about, uh, that we need to correct Because you see, in Corinth, uh, this church was struggling quite a bit. We're about to study through 1 Corinthians in our Tuesday class, and we're going to see this church had a lot of problems, a lot of struggles. Uh, And in this section, we see that the, the church had been using the spiritual gifts, the miraculous gifts given to them, not primarily for the edifying and building up the body, as much as for the exalting of themselves, And so we we see that Paul encourages them to rather use this to build up and encourage one another. uh, Encourages them not to have these destructive attitudes in chapter 12, but rather to focus on loving one another, chapter 13. Um, So I hope by looking at chapter 12, we can correct some of these these attitudes uh, or, or avoid some of these attitudes. Uh, and uh, be able to build one another up properly in love. We see kind of three different attitudes expressed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The the first one that I want to focus on is in verse 14 through 16. Starting in verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. The first attitude that I think we need to be careful about is this statement, I'm not a part of the body. You know, the the preacher, the the evangelist, or or shepherds and deacons, you know, well, they have a role, they have a responsibility. um, and, you know, when the church comes together, they need to be there. They need to make sure that, that things are, are uh, continuing in the work. But me, well, if I'm not there, that really doesn't make that much of a difference. I don't have uh, a responsibility like that. If we were to, to give words to this attitude, we might say, well, my role isn't that important. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Bible class teacher. So I really don't have much of a responsibility to the church. I'm just a one-talent man or a one-talent woman. Nobody needs what I have to offer. The church could function just fine without me. I'm not an eye, I'm not a hand, therefore I'm not part of the body. Well, what does God say about this? Look in verse 17 and 18. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. The body is not one member. It's not one uh, role. God designed it to be many different roles, many different parts with many different abilities. You know, I think that my wife has beautiful eyes. If, If I were to make a list of the things that I think are most beautiful about Aaron, her eyes would be near the top of the list. However, if you took those eyes and you removed them from the rest of her body... They wouldn't be so pretty anymore. They'd be quite revolting, in fact. Um, The body can't just be an eye, right? When you take that out of the hole, it loses its function, it loses its beauty. That's not how the body is designed. The body is designed to have many different parts that serve different functions that are beautiful in different ways that come together to do the work. You know, the, the, the preacher, the evangelist, has an important role. But his role becomes, uh, you know, pointless if there isn't somebody to preach to, right? The, the shepherd has an important role, but his role becomes pointless if there aren't any sheep. Uh, just because these are more visible or, or in some sense, more honorable uh, roles... Um, doesn't mean that that's the only uh, important part of the body. Uh, In fact, we're going to see as God designed it, there are some less presentable, less visible um, parts of the body that are extremely vital to the Lord's work. God gave you abilities, gave you talents, no matter what role you are in, that are important to the welfare of the body as a whole. And you notice there in verse 18, this is God's design. It is that God arranged uh, them in the body, each one of them as he chose. And so if I look at my role in the body, my abilities, the things that I'm able to offer, the roles that I'm able to fulfill, and think, well, that's just not that important. That's not that valuable. I'm degrading God's design. I'm belittling his design. He put each part of the body, gave them their abilities, gave them their strengths um, that they might work together for the good of the whole. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 and 16. We're told the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You notice that? Each individual part, every joint Supplies. You know, sometimes when, when, you're, when you go and you're working out, you, you think about, you know, building up those big muscles, uh, you know, because they're, they're more visible. You, you can, you know, show those off to other people, right? But you have one of those little ligaments that gets torn. It doesn't matter how strong that muscle is. All of a sudden, you're not going to be able to function the way that you need to right? Every joint, every ligament, every sinew, all is important to the function of the body. It doesn't matter if you're an elbow or if you're a kneecap or if you're an armpit, uh, you're an important part of the body. That's God's design for every part to work together. And if the body is going to grow effectively, you know, I think sometimes we have the idea of, okay, if, if the East Side Church of Christ is going to grow effectively, we, we just really uh, need good shepherds. Well, yes, we do need good shepherds. And we're praying that God will help us grow in that area. But that alone is not going to make the body grow. You know, if we want the east side of Christ, we just need a really good evangelist. Uh, Well, yeah, that, that is an important role. But that within itself is not going to make the body grow. The body doesn't grow by one or two individuals being all that they need to be. If this body is going to grow, what God says is that that happens by each and every individual part doing its work. That's how he designed the body to grow. And as we think about this attitude of thinking, well, I I just, my role isn't that important. I, I don't have that big of a responsibility. Think about the one talent man in Matthew chapter 25. You know, as Jesus tells that parable... And he talks about these three servants who are entrusted with their master's money. One is given one talent, one is given two, one is given five. As Jesus tells the story, why do you think he picked out the one-talent man to be the man that buried his talent? You know, why wasn't the two-talent man who buried his talent? Why wasn't the five-talent man who buried his talents? Well, as Jesus tells this parable, he he picks out the one-talent man as being the one who buries his talent I think because when we feel like we don't have as much to offer, when we feel like our role and our abilities aren't as important, aren't as valuable as somebody else's, we're more inclined to think, well, that's just really not that important. Um, and, and whether or not I, I use this, you know, I might mess up uh, because I don't have that much to offer. It, it's not going to be missed. I'll just bury it here in the ground. Well... How big of a difference did it make for the one talent man? (laughs) Made a world of difference. When his master comes back, he says, You wicked and lazy slave. He throws him into the outer darkness. You know what didn't make that much of a difference? The difference between the two talent man and the five talent man. You know, the two talent man uses his money, gets two more talents, the five talent man uses his. Money gets five more talents. And the master gives them the exact same reward, the exact same response. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what didn't matter, whether or not you're a two talent man or a five talent man, or whether or not you're a one talent man. What matters is whether or not you're using what God has given you. And that makes a world of difference. And so it doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a prayer warrior. It doesn't matter if if you're a a deacon or a shepherd, or if you're somebody who is serving widows and and visiting people and writing cards. It doesn't matter if if you're a a song leader uh, or if you're a building cleaner. All of us have a role to fulfill. And what's important is that we use the talents that God has given us and we value what God has blessed us with to use in his service. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, we're told, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I need to think about that phrase there, stewards of the manifold grace of God. What what does that mean, manifold grace of God? Manifold means uh, many-sided, many-faceted, abundant. And here we're stewards of God's manifold grace. But God's grace is so abundant, so manifold, that not one of us can contain the whole. We all have a piece of God's grace, so to speak that we've been entrusted with, and we're to be good stewards of. This is God's grace given to us. God's gifts, God's abilities. How dare we look down on that? No, I, I need to take the piece of God's grace that I've been given and use it for all that it's worth. Value it. Be thankful for what God has given me. I can't say that I don't have a responsibility to the body. Now I do. It doesn't matter if I'm, you know, a full-time employee of the church. <laughs> I'm a full-time employee of the Lord, I need to make sure that the way I think about my role within the body uh, is not, you know, some part-time thing, uh, not some, you know, just being a consumer thing. No, I'm, I'm part of a flock. I'm part of a body. Part of a family. And I have a role to fulfill. We are all parts of the body. We need to think of ourselves in that way. But secondly, as we continue to read here in 1 Corinthians 12, we see another attitude expressed. In verse 19, it says, If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Here we see the opposite extreme, an attitude that exalts and emphasizes the the role and the abilities and the strengths and the perspective that I'm able to offer and kind of looks down on what other people have to offer. Well, that's just as destructive to the body. If we brush off or dismiss what others have to to bring to to the value of the body, if we were going to give words uh, or greater detail to this attitude, we might say, well, others need to be more like me. You know, if everyone shared my perspective and recognized how good my ideas are, this church would be so much stronger My soapboxes are what matter most, and my pet peeves are the biggest things that we need to work on. William Barclay once said, far too often people in the church become so engrossed in the bit of work that they are doing and so convinced of its supreme importance that they neglect or even criticize others who have chosen to do other work. Brother, let me be honest with you. I, I know this is something that I've struggled with. Um, an attitude problem that I have had. Uh, and I want you to love me enough to help me with that. Um, to have the humility to recognize God's design. Um, and the, the ver- very um, minimal value uh, that, that any one part brings within itself. It's okay to be passionate about something. It's okay to think that we have good ideas, but we need to realize our inadequacies. See our need for the perspective and ideas of others. We need to respect the differing abilities and roles of others and recognize the value of what they have to offer. Because it's the diversity in perspective that gives us strength uh, and helps us function effectively. Certainly. First and foremost, we we need the Lord's direction. Um, But as we think about how to accomplish his work most effectively, he's given us all different perspectives, all different strengths and weaknesses that we might work together to most effectively do his work. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you want to turn over there for just a moment. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about the importance of these kind of relationships Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9, we read, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. Why? He says they have a good return for their labor. They're going to be more effective in doing the work. When it's not just one person's perspective, one person's strengths, uh, when they are working together in that, there's going to be accountability there. If one falls down on his own, who's going to pick him up? And yet when we're together, uh, when we fall, another can be close at hand to pick us up. There's going to be comfort and encouragement there. One who lies down alone is going to be cold, but two can keep each other warm. And there is strength as well. Um, Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. He says two is better than one. He then says three is better than two. A a a cord that's 50 strong is better, right? Right? And that's what God desires for us. That we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different experiences. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. And that's part of God's design. That if we're going to work together effectively, we need each other. We can't just kind of drive forward on our own thinking that our ideas and our perspective is uh, sufficient on its own. I think one thing that um, helps me Uh, to remember is that if, if everything in the Lord's work here was exactly the way that I wanted it to be and that I thought it should be, this would be a weak church. Because I'm just one person. That's not God's design. We need one another and we need the humility to recognize that, that our ideas are not always the best. Um, That God has designed it, that we work together in that. Look in 1 Corinthians 12 again. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 22. It says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. What, what's the point here? What is he saying? Well, uh, think about some weaker parts of the body. You know, your heart and your lungs, on their own, are extremely vulnerable parts of the body, Right? You take the heart, you take the lungs, you put them out on your own, uh, you know, you uh, try, try to hit them or, or uh, you know, somebody comes with a hammer and, well, it's not going to survive very well, right? It's very weak on its own. And so God has designed it that we have rib cages, right? That, that we have things protecting those vital organs that on their own may be very weak. How important are the heart and lungs to the function of your body, though? Extremely important. You take those out and you're not going (laughs) to live but a few seconds. Weaker parts of the body on their own are extremely vital. He also talks about less presentable parts of the body. Parts of the body that are not fit for public view. Well, those parts of the body, what do we do? We clothe them with greater modesty. Um, We put clothes on top of them because... They are special parts of the body, right? They're reserved for the marriage relationship. Uh, we, we don't despise those parts of the body. In fact, we clothe them. We show them greater honor by showing them modesty. Well, what, what, What's the point of that when we think about it as it applies to us? Well, you think weaker parts of the body, more, more immature parts of the body, new converts, children that... Wiggle and scream during services, right? How important are they to the life and growth of congregation? Extremely important. You know, if, if we only had old, mature Christians that had been Christians for over 30 years, this would be a very weak congregation. Now, we need that maturity. There's no doubt about it. But we need that growth. We need that life even though it may come with some immaturity. Even though there may be some some growing pains in that as people come out of the world and still have a lot to learn and a lot to grow in. And some of the most vital parts of the body are not the parts of the body that that are visible, that everybody sees, that their work is uh, known by all. Some of the most important parts of the body are people serving behind the scenes? That nobody uh, announces what they're doing, um, but that they're reaching out and they're taking care of people and they're serving people. You know, being in the limelight, being visible to the congregation, doesn't mean that that's more important. <laughs> no, there is work to be done that is not going to get credit that people are not going to see. And that, in fact, is some of the most important work that we can be doing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, we're told, Do nothing from selfishness and empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. We need to regard one another as more important than ourselves. You know, sometimes if we struggle with pride, what often happens is we become very in tune to the work that we're doing and the important things that that we're focusing on uh, and to our good qualities and our good ideas. And we can become in tune to other people's failings. And we can get frustrated that, well, You know, they're not taking care of this. They're not taking care of that. What Philippians 2 tells us is we need to regard others more important than ourselves. We need to become more in tune to the work that they're doing, to the good that they're doing, to appreciating what it is that they're offering, maybe more in tune to our own inadequacies. We need to train ourselves to view others, to value others more importantly than ourselves. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another in honor. Some versions say outdo one another in showing honor or literally lead the way in showing honor. You know, when we talk about outdoing one another, we often want to outdo one another in getting honor, right? Getting the glory. Says that's not how it is to be among you. Outdo one another in showing honor, showing appreciation. We need to be the kind of people that are looking at different parts of the body and learning to value and appreciate what it is that they are offering. You know, maybe we need to take some time to, to get out of our own lane and start thinking about what others are doing and what others are offering. We need to show appreciation, show others that we value them and be humble uh, in regard to our own role within the body because that's God's design. That's how the body works and that's how the body grows. Let's look at a third attitude here in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 25 and 26, uh, we read in verse 24... Uh, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Verse 25, that there may be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God's design for the body to avoid division, to avoid the body falling apart, is that we have the same care for one another. That when uh, one part of the body is suffering, that we feel that with them. When a part of the body is rejoicing, we honor them and rejoice with them. If we were going to give further words to this part of the body, we might say, well, your spiritual needs and growth are not my responsibility. My participation in the body is dependent on whether or not my needs are being met. If my needs aren't being served, then there's really no reason for me to be involved. You know, I think a lot of these statements, uh, I, I don't know that, that any of us would be blatant enough to say those things out loud, but is that how we think and is that how we act? It's very easy to have a, a consumer mindset when it comes to the church. When we think about being a member of the local church, we think, well, it's you know, kind of like being a member at your local library. Uh, you, know, you got your membership card, you can use it when you want, get whatever you want out of it. Uh, being a member at at AAA or a member of your local book club. You know, we, we are involved insofar as we're enjoying it and we're getting what we need and what we want. But, you know, once it doesn't become fun anymore, they didn't really need me to begin with. Well, that's not how the church is described. The church is not a business. It's not, you know, that that there are employees of the church and then consumers in the church. We're all employees. We're all disciples. We're all working together. And the illustrations of the church within the scriptures uh, show that to us. The the idea of the flock. You know, well, what happens when one sheep goes astray? Jesus tells us about that in Luke 15. Um, You know, the shepherd leaves to look for that one. And the the sheep are intended to be packed together for protection, right? The the shepherd is is trying to keep them all together, not letting any of them stray out on their own. No, we need one another. We need to be close with one another. We have the illustration of a family. You know, families live together, right? We need to function as a family. And if somebody is missing at the dinner table, we want to know why. You know, dad's not here tonight. We, we really don't know why, uh, but maybe you'll show up tomorrow night. No, that's not how that works. No, as a family, we need to be communicating. We need to be living together. As, as a temple, we are living stones described in First Peter 2, being stacked on one another. We're stacked together for support. You start removing some of those stones, what's going to happen to the structure? Well, it's not going to be very strong. It may not even stand. And as a body, we are knit together for nourishment. You know, if, if, you, if somebody comes into the hospital and their, their arm is laying over here and their legs laying over there, I don't think they're doing too well uh, physically, are they? No. The design of the body, they're knit together very closely so that it can function together, so that all the parts of the body can get the nourishment that it needs. That's God's design. Is that what we look like? Is that how we function? It's how God wants us to function. Colossians 2 and verse 2, Paul's prayer for the brethren in Colossae is that they be knit together in love. Knit together. Does that describe us? You know, are are we kind of a a loose afghan where all the strings are kind of coming out? Uh, Or are we closely knit together? Strongly, those three cords that cannot be broken together, right? Weave together. What is it that binds us? He says, knit together in love. If we're going to have those kind of relationships, we need to care about one another. We need to genuinely love one another. How does the Bible describe that love? Well, in Matthew 22, remember the first and second greatest commandment, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbor, how? As ourselves, as yourself. I need to love you as I love my own body, right? That's the pattern. That is the design. You know, if I get up late at night and it's dark in the room and all of a sudden I stub my toe on the end of the bed, how is the rest of the body going to react to that? It's like, get over it. No. No, I'm going to start hopping on one leg, maybe howling. I might wake up Aaron. You know, the entire body reacts to that. When the, when the stomach gets hungry and it starts growling, How does the rest of the body respond to that? Well, you just need to take care of that yourself. No, I need my hands to go get the food, my my legs to take me there. I need my mouth to chew it. Uh, The entire body responds to those needs. That's how we need to function. Matthew 7 and verse 12, Jesus says, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophet's. You know, that's a positive command. That is an active command. It's not don't treat others ways that you wouldn't want them to treat you. That's included. It's treat others the way that you want them to treat you. I I want you to think for a moment, what do I value and what do I appreciate most in a local congregation? What what do I feel like is best going to help me grow? Well, how can I start providing that for other people? That's the attitude that Jesus wants us to have. It's not, how how are you going to serve my needs? It's, what can I give to you? That's the attitude. Jesus says, uh, is quoted in Acts 20, saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus told his disciples after washing their feet, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do we need to love? As Jesus loves. Can you imagine Jesus saying words like these? Well, your spiritual needs and growth, they're not my responsibility. Is that Jesus's attitude? You know, what if Jesus was as committed to the well-being of this local church as you are? Would that be a comforting thought or a scary thought? No, Jesus is fully devoted to the well-being of his church. And Jesus says, you need to love one another the way that I love you. Think about how much Jesus values his sheep, how much Jesus values his body, how much Jesus values his kingdom. We need to seek first that kingdom. We need to care about his people, the well-being of his work, his flock, the way that he does. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 is often the passage that we go to to talk about church attendance, to talk about the assembly. We read there in verse 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you notice what the focus is there? He doesn't say, don't forsake the assembly because you really need it. Don't forsake the assembly because you're going to starve spiritually. That's true. That's part of God's design for our nourishment and our growth. But he says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, but encouraging one another. Why do you need to be here? It's not just so that you can get the nourishment that you need. You need to be here for me. You need to be here for your brother and your sister. You know, when when we think about church attendance and participating in the Lord's work as, well, I'll be involved if I think it's going to give me what I need. We've entirely missed the point. Our involvement in the Lord's church isn't about us. It's about Jesus's body, Jesus's people. Do we care the way that Jesus cares? Do we care about this body the way that we care about our own body? You know, it's very easy for us to fall into these mindsets. The church in Corinth was having a lot of problem with these kind of things. And and let me say as we close, I'm extremely thankful for the many devoted workers here in this body. Um, It it has been refreshing and encouraging to me uh, over the the years that we've been here um, to see so many people devoted behind the scenes um, to doing the Lord's work, to serving one another, to loving each other as He has loved us. But, brethren, we need to grow. Uh, And you may recognize areas in your heart where you've been falling into one of these attitudes. Won't you change? Won't you allow God to change you? If you recognize that there's some change that needs to be made, maybe a change of a public nature, you need to confess it before these brethren and ask for their help, ask for their prayers. That's why we're here, to help one another. But let's make sure that as we leave here today, we're being the part of the body that God desires for us to be. That we're thinking about his work the way that he wants us to think about it. That we're valuing one another and serving one another the way that he intended for us to. If there's any way that we can help you in your service to the Lord today, uh, won't you make that known to us now if you've never committed your life to the Lord? By God's grace, by the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross, you can bury your old man of sin and the waters of baptism. By the power of the resurrection, you can be raised to walk a new life, cleansed by Jesus's blood, and a right relationship with him, part of his body, part of his family. Do you need to make that commitment today? Do you need to start living the commitment that you've already made? If there's any way that we can help you in your service to the Lord, won't you let us know by coming forward as we stand and sing together?